Amen. You may be seated. How many feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? How many felt it before you felt it? <laughs> you feel it before you feel it. Here, here's, here's the real deal. This is the fact. He's in you. He's that real before you ever open your mouth. He abides in you. He lives in you. He's explosive in you. And this morning, I want to talk to you about maximizing the opportunity. Thank you so much. Uh, maximizing the opportunity that is within you. There is a word that refers, one of the names of uh, our Heavenly Father is Yahweh Jireh. And here's what it means, Yahweh Jireh. The Lord will provide. Say that with me. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And I believe that with all of my heart. Now, this came out of this instance in Scripture in Genesis 22. Matter of fact, some of you may want to take notes this morning because I'm going to unload a lot of material I think that will benefit you. Uh, Genesis 22:14. So um, Abraham called that place, <clears throat> the Lord will what? Will provide. And to this, how long? To this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. How many want to claim that as your promise? May I see your hand? We're going to claim it as our promise. The Lord will provide. So this afternoon, when you run into something, the Lord will provide. When the enemy brings your kids that are not saved, just say, the Lord will provide. When you have a next financial challenge, just say, the Lord will provide. When some difficulty hits you and smacks you in the face, say, I understand, but the Lord will provide. When some sickness hits you, say, but I know the Lord will provide. Why? Because he's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. There's nothing left, my friend, on this world that we know of that God hasn't already provided for. I think about how much the Lord loves us. I don't know about you, I gathered our, uh, our family, got together, most of us, Thanksgiving, and, and of course, uh, there, we have several now that's in their early 20s and, and late teens, and they sat around talking, you know, and just uh, enjoying that relationship, and then it came time to pray, and we asked God's blessing over the meal, and we looked at the bounty that we had, and uh, I thought, wow, God, you must really love us. And then I thought about some of the people that I know in places that I've been not nearly as blessed. And I thought about God loves those individuals uh, as much or more than he loves me here. Here's what I do know, that God's love is universal. And also I, I thought about this. He is the king of the universe and everything is subject to him. That is every authority, every power, everyone who thinks they have power Everything in this universe, in nature, the waves that hit the shore and stop, they are all subject to Almighty God. Your heart is subject to God. Your talents, your abilities, subject to God. Everything that you have, the greatest authority in the world, ISIS, my friend, is subject to God. How many know what I'm talking about? God could wipe that people group out just like that if he so choose. All things are subject to God. Nothing gets out of place in the solar universe unless God decides to give it permission. We know that he created all things, get this, for our pleasure, that we might be blessed and be able to follow him. Think about it, just for your pleasure. Here's what the Bible says in that 
first place that we call paradise. You remember the first home? The first home was Adam and you know, y'all, y'all on turkey overload. And Balkan, you're going to have to help me out. The first home was inhabited by Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. It was a perfect place. You didn't need a thermometer because the, the wonderful atmospheric setting of that first home was perfect. The abundance of food fit any taste. Didn't matter. Any taste. Clothing was never out of style. Hello? Never out of style at all. Perfect health, no need for a doctor, no clinic, no emergency room, none of that. It was all perfect, perfect health. Never had a need to go to work. Just walk through the garden and enjoy paradise as we know it. Never had a disappointment. Never had a disappointment in the initial creation there. It was a place called true paradise. But here's what happened, just like it happens to us today. It's in a great environment and things are going well. Here's what happens. Your enemy is not abortion. It's not theft. It's not murder. It's not egregious offenses against individuals. Your enemy is sin. Sin, one simple word, sin, is at the basis of everything that's evil that is not good. If you misbehave, that's sin. If you make wrong choices, that's the power of sin. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, that's sin. If you just run off at the mouth, that's sin. If you misbehave attitudinally, that is sin. Sin is the culprit to everything that you do that does not bring pleasure to God and does not bring pleasure to your fellow man. And we know that understanding that God's love, however, is still as great, if not more, than it's ever been. You remember Jabez's prayer. I know you do. First Chronicles 4.10. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain, and God granted his request. That is God's desire. God granted his request. So let me say to you, whatever big stack of problems you've got, whatever things that bring anxiety to you, whatever stresses you out, whatever it is in your life that's not going perfectly, whatever it is in your life that causes worry and wrinkle to cross your bow, let me tell you something, my friend. God will grant your request according to His divine will. Why worry about it if God has already got it taken care of? You say, well, how do you do that? You walk by faith and not by feeling, not by sight. So I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a king's kid. I am an individual that has a relationship with someone who has a solution and the combination to every problem that I will ever face. So I relax in that. Not going to get worked up. You see, God is always aware of our challenge. Our text is going to do several things. If you're taking notes and you're looking, number one, it will reveal the plight of man, how sometimes weak the faith is of individuals. It'll show you how to, the barriers that often overcome the power of success and blessing. The heart of God will be reveal, revealed in this message. And the miracle power of God and the blessing of obedience, all those come together in this wonderful message today. 
Number one, God is always aware of your challenge. Say that with me. God is always aware of of your challenge. He's always aware of your challenge. No pain's going to hit you today, but what God's not aware. Your kids might hide from you and may not be serving God, but God is aware of the challenge. It doesn't matter. Here it is. It's our text of the fishes and the loaves, and it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse number 5. Now, some of you are trying to fool me because you're not in your place today. The Kendricks usually sit right down here, yard back in the halfway point. Just want you to know, I see where you sit. It's good that you guys are over here on this side of the aisle because you're usually on that side of the aisle right over there. You see, and some of you in the balcony, you've moved on me. Thank you for showing up. Amen? So, I preach to people. Amen? I preach to people. I love the preaching of the Word. God is always aware of the challenge. Now, here's what we know, John 6, verse 5. When Jesus looked up and he saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to whom? Y'all whisper it again. He said to whom? Don't say it too loud. We don't want to rock heaven. Who said it? Philip. Philip, thank you so much. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? They're seated on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee runs north-south. That down there, south is the Dead Sea. Up north, of course, we understand is that beautiful hill. I'm going to Israel in May, and I can see it now. I've been there so many times on the Sea of Galilee, looking where the Beatitudes were taught, and you can see it as, as well as I'm standing here today, and Jesus is there, and he looks up, and he sees, we know, 5,000 individuals. But the reality is, if you count the women and the children, and justifiably you can. There's more than, easily, more than 15,000 individuals. Now, before the disciples, Peter was supposed to be a forward thinker. He was supposed to be the one, hey, this is a problem we're going to have if we get here. The reality, before any of them thought about any of it, in the middle of that threatening situation, Jesus was aware. You don't know what might happen tomorrow, but he does. You don't know what might happen to you next week, but he does. You don't know anything about tomorrow, but he knows every single bit of it, and he is aware of what challenges you will, in fact, face. Before any of them thought about it, he saw it. So sometimes in the middle of my challenge, sometimes in the middle of my disappointments, I think, God, you just don't care. You got other things that you need to be concerned about, so why would you be concerned about my problem? My problem is so little and so small and so insignificant. Well, if you believe that, why do you worry about it all the time? Doesn't care? Isn't aware of the problem? God, you're not listening? Oh, yeah, he heard. He heard every word. You see, all of these discouraging thoughts are to keep us from believing in the comfort that we have in knowing that he's aware of our challenge and he's aware of the miracle that we are going to need because he's omniscient. Our God is omniscient, which means he knows the past, the present, and the future. He has a limitless, get this now, he has a limitless understanding. Psalms 147, 5, great is our Lord and mighty is power. His understanding has no limit. So you're not going to catch him off guard. 
No computer is going to outsmart God. No system is going to outsmart God. He has limit, limitless understanding. Number two, he knows the need of our heart. Right where we live, death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more does he know the heart of men? So he knows where you live spiritually. And then he knows the beginning to the end and everything in between, John 16, 30. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us to believe that you came from God. So be assured, number one, God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. And God already knows how you're going to be blessed. But listen, it's not up, just up to God. Here's number two. God always knows what to do. There's a difference in knowing what to do and being a know-it-all. How many somebody knows a know-it-all? That's right, three people. God already knows what to do. Already knows what to do. John 6, 6, he asked this only to test him. And be careful as you're living life and, and God might through the Holy Spirit touch you. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. He already had in mind, he knew what he was going to do. And you see, the reason for the question was that they were going to eat. They were going to eat something, and he tested his disciples, what do you think needs to happen? Though he already knew what he was going to do. Our faith can explode when we grasp the truth of this step to abundance. God knows what to do before you pray. He knows what he's going to do before the need arises. And he knows before you even begin to fight or worry, he knows what he's going to do. Often we'll go out to eat from time to time. And we'll go out with somebody and Sharon and I say, where you, where you guys want to go? You know, just tell me where. Let's go. You know, because when I get in the car and I put it down in drift, I want you to know I am ready to go. But I want to go somewhere. So just tell me. Because it won't be long and I'll be there. And somebody will say, you know, well, I want to go to McDonald's. And somebody will say, I want to go to Checkers. And somebody, somebody will say, I said, well, you know, after they say all those things, then I'll say, well, why don't, why don't we go here? And I'll hear these words. Why did you ask us? Why did you ask us? You already knew where you were going. I said, thank God somebody in the car knows where they're going. You know what I'm saying? Options, options, options. God already comfort. Set in the comfort of that. He knows what he's going to do for you. Sweet Jesus. 826 of Romans. Meanwhile, in the message, the moment we get tired of waiting, how many love just to wait? Thursday afternoon, I couldn't take it anymore. Sharon said, where are you going? I said, I'm getting in the car and getting out of here. You want to you go with me? She said, well, if you want me to. Now, here's the answer. Oh, I always want you to. <laughs> Amen. We drove to Best Buy. People camped out out there. Long lines. So they can buy a 50-inch screen television. Smart television for $279. Wow. Saved a grand total of $200. But in those long lines, 
I thought, thank you, Jesus. Went over to Target, long line. Went over to Toys R Us, long line. Drove by the church here. Nobody, nobody. You see, here is the point. He says, the minute you get tired of waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. And if we don't know how or what to pray, get this, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans. Eddie Hawks this morning, before we ever started, he's back in the ready room, and he's standing there, and it's 10 minutes before we come on the stage, and he's going, "Uh, mm, mm, I said, Eddie, are you okay? He said, I'm just cracking what'll crack, you know. Moving, trying to get my cracks in for today. I thought, Lord, help me, Jesus. You're going to pull something out. At that age, you're going to pull something out. You know what old people talk about more than anything? Their medications. What are you taking for that? You know, is that something new? Yeah, I'll take some of that. You know, how much you take? Yeah. Where do they sell that at? <laughs> That's what old people talk about. How do you know, Pastor? I hear them talk. He knows us far better, get this, than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God, keeps us present before God. Jesus making intercession for you. Come on, somebody. He knows what he's going to do. He knows your challenge. He's aware. That's why we can be so sure that every detail, every single detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Every detail worked into something good. Isaiah 41.10, he says, don't fear, don't be dismayed. I will be with you, strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The right hand of authority is one with favor and power. What I'm trying to get across to you today, if you walked in with a suitcase full of challenges and problems and worries and difficulty, concerned about this and concerned about that and concerned about tomorrow and concerned about next week, bring that down here, throw it down on the altar because you got the sun of the living God, hallelujah, making intercession for you. And he said, come on, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Let me help you with the detail of your life. Isaiah 42, 16, he said, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them And I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. You know he's talking about you and me. I'll take you in places you ain't never been. Hallelujah. Because I'm not going to forsake you. Moving on. The provision is already present. Already present. John 6, 9 Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus says, where can you buy bread? And he already knew what he was going to do. Philip said that 
Philip said, it'll take a fortune to buy that much bread. And there's not enough material resources to feed that many people. They only have a few loaves and a few fish. Now, if you were to step to the plate and said, I know what I'll do. 15 plus thousand people. I'll go down to Chick-fil-A. And I'll buy the simple Chick-fil-A sandwich with that little dinky pickle on it. And a small waffle fry and a drink. And I'll buy everybody that little dinky pickle sandwich with the chicken is never the same size. I'm beginning to say, am I going to get a bitty for chicken breast? I'm going to get a full bird. I want the full bird chicken breast. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? Otherwise, somewhere along the line, it's only that big sometimes. Anybody bear witness to that? It's that big. I thought I got more bun than I got chicken. Don't call it no chicken sandwich, and all it is is bun. Any of y'all with me? Well, maybe it's a little bigger. If you went down to Chick-fil-A and bought a sack for all, all those people, you know how much it cost you? $90,000. $90,000. Oh, I'll just take care of it. I'll go buy a chicken sandwich. $90,000. Somebody said, well, you got to do better than that. Well, go down and get you a little cheeseburger Happy Meal, and you get your own little toy there. You get your own little milk carton you know, buy your Happy Meal. You know what a Happy Meal to feed that many? That'd be $60,000. No easy fix. And Jesus, you know what he said? Don't waste any of that. Bring it here to me. <laughs> bring it. Are you going to bring something to Jesus today? Bring him your faith, friend. He says, bring it over here to me. Give me those loaves. Give me that, give me that fish. Bring it over here to me. Hallelujah, because once it passes into the presence of the world in which everything is subject to him, amen, he doesn't need a scientist, he doesn't need an engineer, he doesn't need a homeowner, he doesn't need a businessman, he doesn't need an entrepreneur, he said, you just bring it right here to me. Now, boys, I'm going to bless it, hallelujah, I'm going to give it back to you, now get out there and pass it out and watch what will happen, come on, church. Put your old lazy hand and let's thank God for his abundant blessing. He already knows, already knows provision is there. Andrew spoke up in a sarcastic way, in a sarcastic way, or you can say a sourcastic way, however you say it. Here it is. Here's a major point. If you're going to have an abundant life and you're going to believe what I'm preaching today, then you must understand that already within us is just enough for God to use. And don't ever say again, I don't have anything. God said, oh yeah, you got a whole lot. The widow of Zarephath said in 1 Kings 1.17, all I have is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. And Jesus stepped forward and said, all you need is a mustard seed of faith, but you get it from here and get it into my presence. And I'll show you what I can do with a mustard seed of faith and a little oil and a little flour. Hallelujah. Well, what do I have that God can use? You have a lot, sweetie. How about your time? God said, you know, I want to multiply you. I don't have time for that. Let me tell you, you will never lose time if whatever you're doing, you're doing it for Jesus. Amen. Amen. You'll never lose the time. Amen. 
your talent. I don't have any talent. Yes, you do. You've got plenty of talent. Just get it to Jesus. Watch where he'll take you. You have energy. Somebody said, I'm so old now, I don't have any energy because you ain't doing nothing. That's just yard talk right there. You ain't doing nothing. You say, oh, God, my arthritis, my dear. Hey, get up, rise up in Jesus' name and say, God, whatever it is, strength that I do have, I'm going to give it to you. I know I'm talking to somebody. Here <laughs> it is. Stuff. I got stuff. Amen? I got stuff. That's right. Sharon said, when are you going to clean out the garage? I said, when I get ready. I'm going to get ready. Right after I clean out the refrigerator. And she'll say, it ain't ever going to get done. I said, oh, yeah. Eventually, stuff. Exodus 36, 6. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the land, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. What he's saying is, stop bringing stuff in. We've got enough to build the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. In other words, God says, in you already, not materially, but in you is a miracle. If it's nothing more than the stuff that's there, we have something God can already use in our possession, so we never want to say, I don't have anything. Let me suggest to you, this is a word from God straight here. If you're spending your time telling God what you don't have, how disappointed you are, how much your life would have been if somebody else would have been with you at Thanksgiving, if you spend your time telling God about the things that you don't have, your aches and your pains, here's what you're not doing. You're not giving God the praise for the things that you already have because every scriptural principle says as long as you're griping and you're complaining, the only thing that's going to happen your griping is going to get deeper your bitterness is going to get more wide but if you begin to praise him and say God, I want you to know what I do have. I give you praise and I give you honor, God. There might have been an empty chair at the table but next year it's going to be filled up, God. There might be a light right now but you're going to bless it because I'm going to keep on keeping on you begin to praise him for what you do have and God will run you down and shake you up and give you what he desires for you to have that's what the Bible says next something must be submitted to be blessed how many when you got married you felt you felt you were blessed Okay, y'all a little sluggish here. You think that's a trick question. Okay, I'm going to take it on. How many of you men, men, think when you got married, you were blessed? Oh, more hands. You're smart. Y'all smart. Now, if I were to ask the question, how many of you women think he still feels that way? Let me, I'm not asking you to respond. How many of you women, if I were to ask, 
think he still feels that he was blessed and is blessed today. If I were to ask that question, but I'm not. I'm not. Because I don't have any room for funerals this coming week. And I don't need more counseling either. The point is this. We are blessed beyond what we could imagine. And something must be submitted to bless. Here's what John 6, 11, a says, Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks. Took the loaves. God will always bless that which is given to him in faith. Every miracle of the Scripture came after something was done or given in faith. Think about it now. Water to wine, why go fill up the pots? The catch of fish, let down the nets over there. Cleansing of the leper, oh yeah, thank you, Jesus. Fell at Jesus' feet. Paralytic hill, tear the roof off, lower him down in there. Walking on the water, Peter's got to get out of the boat for that few seconds or two. But he's the only one that can say, hey, I was out there a little while, and I at least got over the boat. Amen? See, everything. Jesus asked that the bread and fish be brought to him, blessed it, was an exercise of faith, supernatural intervention. We need supernatural intervention and acknowledgement of God. Next, you must give something away. Say that with me. You must give something away, and it's not your opinion. Say it again, you must give something away. Still a little sluggish. Let's say it about on a level with a DB rating of 99. You must give something away. I give myself away. I give myself away. That's all I know. John 6, 11. Here we go. And distributed to those who were seated. Notice this. As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. How many of you have a family member when the table is set and there are pork chops on the table and there's eight of you at the table and there's ten pork chops? How many of you have a family member that the first pass they'll take two pork chops? How many have a family member? How many of you that aggravates the living daylights out of you? How many of you that it aggravates you, this is therapy, spiritual therapy, that the individuals who bring very little to the family dinner are always among the first to get in line to eat. They're moving while we're praying. How many have a family member like that? Amen. Sure. Thank God my family's normal. You give something away. Distributed those as much as they wanted. 
In other words, after they passed the sack, they went back through and said, would you like another Chick-fil-A sandwich? You say, it wasn't chicken. Preachers like chicken. How about another fish fillet sandwich? What else you want? You want some more waffle fries? Did you get fed up with them? You've eaten, you've eaten a handful already. Would you like more? As much as they wanted. I want you to see the generosity of the God you serve. You see, you're the one that limits yourself to very little sometimes. God's desire is to always give you an abundance. But the place of your need to the place of abundance is where you live. And if you learn this story, and God never gives abundance, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, without he has a plan for you to be engaged to bless somebody else. So here we go on this point just for a moment. Some of you are already asking how many points you got. A few more. An abundance of points. Jesus blessed the food and said, give it away. The miracle came once it was blessed and it was being given away. In your closet, it cannot be blessed. To you give it in your bank, it cannot be blessed. In you, the talent, it cannot be blessed. In you, the touch of anointing of God cannot get out until you begin to walk under the anointing. The miracle came when that which was blessed was given away. And God is not going to give an abundance who holds on to that which has been blessed by God. If God has blessed it, God said and you don't give it away it will go sour the manna it'll go sour it will not be available for you today luke 6 38 given it shall be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over be poured in your lap for with the measure you use the measure you use it will be measured to you now, you don't give, give yourself away. You don't give your time, your talent. You don't give the finance. You don't give all of that. He says, not out of pride. I know people. I've been pastoring a long time. I know when they give anything, it's because they want to be noticed. Hello? But here's what the Bible says about that. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before me to be seen by them. You give with a generous attitude. If it, is if it is contributing the needs of others, let him give generously, Romans 12, verse number 8. Joyfully, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Sincerely, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have, has to do with the sincerity that is there. And if you have been blessed by God and we fail to give it out to others, it will, your, your abundance will stop at the level that will not necessitate the miraculous. Proverbs eleven twenty four: one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. As the bread and the fish were distributed, what did God do? It multiplied. Blessing always returns to the investor if you give it away. Amen. Finally, finally, say finally. Finally, say it's about time. It's about time. I'm getting all your guile out of you before you leave. Prepare for abundance. Prepare for abundance. 
I go to certain places of business, and they have tips. Have a tip. They have a, have a jar about that size. Or a little bit bigger than a Miracle Whip mayonnaise jar. I said, uh, why you got tips on that? Well, it's for tips. Are you embarrassed to ask for tips? Your work's not good enough? You don't think you deserve a tip? Are you trying to hide the tip jar? I said, why you want to do that? If you believe in what you're doing, put your tip jar out there and make it bigger. And don't make the hole so big you cannot get a dollar bill unless you scrunch it up. That's my problem with the Salvation Army kettle. I know why they put the little deal in there, but you've got to have a stick to drive it down because the mouth is so small. Well, we don't want people taking the money away. Make your tip jar so big, God cannot overlook it. Amen? Because prepare for abundance. God, I got a wheelbarrow ready. When you get ready to turn it loose, I want to be sure you know I am ready. You know what? God can't trust some people in the church so to give an abundance because they wouldn't know what to do with it. You know what? The person who knows what to do with it, they sow it right back into the systems. I mean, sow it right back, and it brings a bigger harvest. So here we go. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Remember, you got all you want. There you have it. After everyone was fed to the degree that all they had enough to eat, the fragments would gather. 12 baskets. You see, God is not a God with the limited resources. He desires to heal you. Here's what I know. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. It's hard for us to walk by faith when we've been used to getting knocked down, but this time, get up. Let your faith rise and say, God, here am I. Here am I. This holiday season, God will bless you. Psalms 31. Do you know I read the other day or heard the other day the owner or founder of Amazon has now reached his own personal wealth of $100 billion. $100 billion. The number one mover and shaker in gifts, over 50% of it is Amazon. $100 billion. What can any man do with a hundred billion dollars? Bless the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Here it is. Psalms 31, 19. What a stack, David's saying, what a stack of blessing you piled up for those who worship you. Ready and willing for all who run to you to escape an unkind world, you hide them safely away from the opposition. David said, here's how it works for me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows in jail in the presence of my enemies under the tutelage of great difficulty. You set a table out there for me and I want you to know I enjoy every bit of it. Let God flow through with you 
on these six steps. God will never lose his desire to bless you because he's a God of divine supply. And in the last days, go ahead and stand on your feet unless you have another means to stand. Joel 2.24, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Here's what he's saying. In the last days, you, God's people, once you catch on to the power of living and giving by the power of faith, he said, your vats will always be full and that your need will be met and an overflow of new wine will bless you and your family. I don't believe it. Then you won't ever see it. I don't, that's for you, pastor. Let me tell you something, friend. I am enjoying the abundance of the blessings of the Lord but the seeds that I planted all through my life have come back to bless me and bless my children and bless my grandchildren. Yahweh, Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord has provided. That's the God that we serve. Put your hands together and let's thank him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation and these wonderful people and this wonderful, wonderful weekend. Lord, uh, we know that we just came from a time of abundance as a result of Thanksgiving. We served you. We gave food away. We gave uh, a whole lot of things away to people. And God, here's what we know. We have benefited more than anybody else. Lord, there are several in this room that need a breakthrough in their business. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Let them continue to give away, continue to serve, continue to work, continue to use their imagination, the creative ability with which you put it. Let them walk by faith. Let them see the positive, and God, you will work through them. Let them not rain or think about the disappointment or the loss, but let them look for the favor and the benefit of your grace and mercy. Let them not be speaking words that bring remorse, but words of faith that, God, there is a reason for everything. Ecclesiastes. Let it happen to every family. Let it happen to every young person. These young people are dynamite. They're explosive. They're dynamos. In them is energy, power, anointed, giftedness, and talent. And the world will challenge them in every part of the way. But God, set them at liberty and set them to free in the power of worship and praise for Jesus. Nothing you cannot do. And Lord, we pray for those right now who their hearts are not right with Jesus. Would you help them watching online or those in this room? And just in case, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, everyone. And repeat it with Brother David, please. Here we go. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I have sinned. I have sinned. I've made, mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've made wrong choices. Made wrong choices. I, haven't paid attention. I haven't paid attention. And I have been blinded. But today, I heard the truth. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be the righteous one. 
I want to be the one who asks forgiveness. So today, I ask forgiveness. Come into my heart. Purify my life. Purify my mind. Purify my behavior. And let me walk holy before you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You need prayer. It's what the Bible says. God will heal you at the point of connection and contact. There's healing in this room. That's his provision. Well, I know somebody who prayed and they didn't get healed. Is that how you want to talk? I know a lot of people that have been healed. I know a lot of people that haven't been healed yet. Yet. If I said, God, I want you to heal them and it wasn't God's will, I'd mess their life up. Because God has a specific person, perfect time for everything. So if you need that special touch, or maybe you ought to be in this altar and you just haven't done it before, but right now, let me tell you how valuable this moment is for you. It's your moment. It is the moment. So as we sing this song, whatever your need is, stay with me now. I watch, I watch some people before I give the benediction who hit the door. Don't draw attention to yourself, friend. Stay with me. I promise you. It'll benefit the whole audience. You come right now. Here we go.